How do we pray in a world that is broken? What do we pray for in a world that needs help? One of the things that COVID has done for us this year is remove any thoughts we may have had that the world is basically fine, it's okay. I don't think it's possible to carry on thinking that in December 2020, even if we had harboured thoughts like that in the past. People are ill, as we know very well. Others are anxious. Some have been put back on furlough. Some are are worried about their business or about their jobs. There are pupils in school who've missed a huge chunk of the year and have exams to take. There are students in halls of residence are unclear about what's going to happen. And of course, there are many who are just isolated and feeling lonely. It's obvious that things are not as they should be. So we need to pray. Um, And that is what Isaiah is doing here in chapter 64. Um, Please do keep this passage open in front of you. I know we say that every week, uh, but I'm conscious that this is probably a part of the Bible for most of us that we're not as familiar with as some of our Sunday passages. And so it would be particularly helpful to have this one open as we look at it for a few minutes this morning. Isaiah prays in verse 1, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down to make your name known. Is that how you pray? Do we pray like that? Um, I want to suggest this morning, in this time of Advent, that we can learn a lot from Isaiah about how to pray. Actually, if you just glance back a couple of pages in your Bibles, turn back to chapter 62, uh, you'll find what I think is one of the most amazing verses about prayer in the whole Bible. I don't think that's an exaggeration to say that. Um, Isaiah 62 and verse 7. Actually, let me just read from, start halfway through verse 6, which says this. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest. Give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Uh, Isn't that a great verse? The Bible says to us that we should give God no rest when it comes to prayer, when it comes to asking him to do the things he's promised. Uh, It gives us permission, encouragement even, to badger him, to ask him, to come to him with our longings and to keep laying them before him. And that's what Isaiah then does. Uh, If we get forward to chapters 63 and 64, he prays this great long prayer. It starts in chapter 63, verse 7, and it goes right through to the end of chapter 64, which we've just heard read. And it's a great model for us of how to pray in these challenging times. First of all, it reminds us that we need to know who we are praying to. And uh, I'm looking back here into chapter 63, verses 7 to 14. Sometimes people think of God as a a big and mighty power, but maybe also distant and somehow aloof. Not a person that you could get to know. And there are whole religions built on that sort of idea of God. On the other hand, uh, some people see God more as a friend, a buddy, um, a kindly grandfather kind of figure. Uh, He wants to make us feel better. But he doesn't actually do all that much. Perhaps more of a therapist than an action hero. The Bible tells us that God is compassionate and kind. And he is also strong and mighty. 
And Isaiah starts with a reminder of these things that he knows. 63, verses 7 to 9, he says, I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the many good things he's done for Israel, according to his compassion. Verse 9, in their distress, he was distressed. This is the God who cares for his people, who's so close he's with his people. He is struggling in their struggles with them. It's the God who came into the world at Christmas. But then if you look forward to verses 10 to 14, it's the mighty things that God has done, and especially at the time of the Exodus, in the days of Moses, verse 11, how God rescued his people, defeated their enemies, verse 12, by his glorious arm of power. And suddenly he sounds more like Thor or Iron Man than St. Francis or Mother Teresa, doesn't he? But Isaiah knows that he is both mighty and strong, and kind and compassionate. That's why we sometimes sing, our God is a great big God, and he holds us in his hands. Both of those things are true. Where does prayer start? It always starts with God, the God who we approach. It's what Jesus taught us too, of course, in the Lord's Prayer. We begin by naming him as our Father in heaven, whose name is hallowed to be worshipped, praying for his kingdom to come and his will to be done before we start asking for things like our daily bread and to be delivered from evil. Know who God is. That's where we start. Secondly, we need to know the world that we're praying about. John Stott, uh, who some of you will have heard of, uh, who was a church leader and a writer, and he famously said that the follower of Christ needs to have the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other hand. If we only have a newspaper, then we're fully aware of all that's wrong with the world, the calamities that are taking place, but we have no hope to offer. And if we only have the Bible, but we never lift our eyes to look at what's going on around us, then we read of the hope, but we don't know what to do with it. Well, Isaiah knows how to hold these two things together. And having started by remembering who he's praying to, the God of strength and compassion, he moves on to the world that he is praying about. And he says to God, chapter 63, verse 15, Look down from heaven and see. Look at your world. And Isaiah is very realistic when he describes what God sees when he does look. He's realistic about who we are and what we are like, which is to say, pretty flaky, prone to wander, um, likely to forget or sometimes even to ignore what God has said to us and what he has done. And so Isaiah tells it like it is, 63 verse 17, he speaks of hard hearts and people who do not revere the Lord. He does not faff around in his prayer at all. He knows that there is no one like the Lord, chapter 64 verse 4, that he is the God who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And at the same time, he also knows the corrosive effect of the people's behaviour and their rejection of God. And so he asks in verse 6, how can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You have hidden your face from us and, has given, and have given us over to our sins. If we want to learn to pray from Isaiah, uh, there are two big things in his prayer. Uh, he's audacious in what he asks for. We'll come back to that in just a moment. 
But first of all, he is entirely realistic, both about who God is and also about who he is and what we are like. The good news, as we're about to see, is that God not only sees what is wrong, he is a God who promises and has a plan to help. But we always need that reminder. That reminder, first of all, that that God is not fluffy. The gospel is not just a, a pat on the back and a well done. Jesus says, repent and believe the good news. It's the same message we can find in almost every book of the Bible as we read through it again and again. God's love for people like us who reject him and his desire for us to to turn away from what is wrong and turn back to him and find life. So Isaiah is realistic. He can see what is wrong. He can see where it's leading. He can see the trouble that it brings. He can see the hearts of God's people, including his own heart. And so lastly, like Isaiah, we need to know what to ask for. Isaiah 64 verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. And that is a bold prayer, isn't it? Uh, That's not just a a prayer uh, to help us feel better uh, or to be helped to get through what is going on. It's a prayer for God to come and rescue his people as he did at the Exodus. Uh, When you read the account of the Exodus, when you get to chapter 19, uh, when the people are at Mount Sinai, that's where uh, you find a mountain trembling when God speaks. How can Isaiah pray for this? Well, because he knows that this is what God has been promising for for the last 60 chapters or so. And so he's not afraid to ask. He knows that God's promise to heal and restore his people stands. And so he prays, verse 9, Do not be angry beyond measure. Do not remember our sins forever. And of course, His prayer is answered, ultimately, in the advent of Jesus into his world. It's the huge privilege we have as Christian believers that we can look back at the things that Isaiah could only look forward to, somewhere in that hazy future as he prayed. And we can see how God has done what he promised. We're about to celebrate the coming of the light of the world, stepping down into the darkness. Isaiah prays, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. When we read about the beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth in the first chapter of Mark's Gospel, we find him, first of all, going to the River Jordan to be baptised by John. And Mark tells us, verse 10, that at that moment, Jesus saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. God rends the heavens and comes down, not in anger but to take away our darkness and our death and give us light and life instead. That's what he promised, and it's what he does. So here we are, stuck in our homes still, learning to deal with tier three, wondering how we can form a Christmas bubble or bauble without putting anyone at risk, dealing with all the stuff that's going on in the world, including all the things that are wrong. What should we do? How should we pray? 
Well, like Isaiah in our prayers, uh, we should be both realistic and audacious. Realistic because we know who God is. We know what he is like. He is strong and kind. He knows who we are and he still loves us. But also audacious because we know what he's promised to do. Jesus comes to welcome and to heal, to blot out our sins. And in fact, if you check out Isaiah 65, we don't have time to read it this morning. The other thing we learn from Isaiah here is that however bold our prayers may be, God does even more. His answers are even greater than we can ask for. And uh, the promise of the new heavens and the new earth, which is described there in Isaiah 65, goes way beyond what Isaiah asks for. He truly is the God who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So yes, let's pray for a cure for COVID. Let's pray that we would be those who bring hope and help to the people around us who are in need at this time. But also more than that, let's pray that this Christmas many people would find eternal healing, eternal life in Jesus at this time. Let's keep asking the Lord to do what he has promised, to rescue his people and to build his church. Because he is always faithful, he has made great promises, and he wants to answer us with more than we dare even ask for. Amen.